0: Welcome to another episode of Money You Should Ask. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler, and in this episode, we're going to explore, question, examine, converse, dig deep, expose, laugh, and cry about the money beliefs, money blocks, and life challenges of our next guest. Turn up the volume, listen, learn, and laugh. Our next guest is John Davis. He is an internationally known keynote speaker, comedian, fight director, stuntman, college professor, artistic director, comedy sword fighter, and action hero. He's traveled extensively throughout the world, speaking to audiences of all ages and all backgrounds. He's done over 4,000 live performances. John inspires you to set and reach your maximum potential and awaken your inner action hero. John, it is so awesome to have you here. I so appreciate you coming on and joining the show.
1: I'm so happy to be here. I'm really excited to get into this and have some fun with
0: you guys. So you, um, you call yourself a corporate action hero. (laughs) <laughs> Tell me a little bit yeah, about so, that. All right. Well well before we get into that, let's let's
1: let's first explain the difference between an action hero and a superhero. Awesome. That I was get gonna that be my question. next question,
0: but all right, jump in.
1: <laughs> right. Let me let me let me kind of kinda throw it out there. See, action heroes are ordinary individuals who create extraordinary results in service of others. And a superhero is someone who wears their underwear on the outside of their pants, was irradiated by some sort of goo, and probably has superpowers. <laughs> That's the main difference. Um, what's really cool about COVID and all the stuff we're going through right now is the fact that we don't know where we're wearing our underwear because of uh, cameras. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) If we're wearing underwear, if if exactly, I could be wearing feathers for all you know. Exactly. At this point, but I call myself the corporate action hero because after years of doing all the all of that work, I discovered that I was really enjoying helping people. You know, awaken that power within themselves that I found in myself, and so I just started taking it out into the corporate world and then became a corporate speaker and one of the One of the neat things that I do when I go into my corporate speeches is I use bullwhips and nunchucks and crazy things like that and I actually the final the finale of one of my big speeches is i 'll drag someone up on stage and in under five minutes time, they will learn to crack a whip and take targets out of my hand Wow that 's pretty awesome that 's trust pretty cool. That's, that's well. So yeah, awesome. Well, you know, it's interesting. It, it, it literally is – I really trust the inner power of the person on stage because it, it literally is them taking their power and, and
0: basically hacking their mind, hacking yep. their fear. No, that's awesome. And when you were a kid, did you always want to be uh, either a superhero or an action hero when you were young? <laughs> when I was a kid, I wanted to be Errol Flynn. <laughs> I
1: wanted <laughs> I wanted to do all the swashbuckler movies, and I, it was very interesting. Because many many years later, I had the chance to work with a a gentleman named Patty Crane, who was Errol Flynn's stunt double. So I had a chance to actually work with Patty and take some classes from Patty, which was really kind of cool. But yeah, I was always the kid with the with the stick in his hand that was a sword and swinging from trees with ropes and doing
0: all kinds of crazy things as a kid. That's awesome. And um, when you first started sword fighting. Um... I mean, it seems like it's a little scary. I mean, I know you don't work with blades initially. I think you... Well, I, I, the way it worked for me is I,
1: I actually first got drugged to a Renaissance Festival many years ago. And for <laughs> okay. those of you guys who don't know what a Renaissance Festival is, that means people are somewhere wearing tights and living in the woods. Anyway, um, <laughs> the, yeah, um, the idea was that um, I got drugged to a Renaissance Festival and I ended up... Liking it so much that I started doing them. Okay, and I met two guys who were the top two of the fa- top fight directors in the world, and they immediately threw me into a, a live combat chess match. And so I <laughs> in, I went from having never done fights to doing six of them in one season. Wow, and um, it was a ama- it was amazing, and um, it was it was a fascinating a fascinating moment to to suddenly have a real sword in your hand. But, you know, there, in stage combat, there's, there's many safeties to keep you in place you know, distance, placement, timing, communication. And those things, you know, really keep you safe. But there are times, I mean, if you look at my face, you can't see it in this camera, I'm sure. But there's, there's a broadsword scar. There's a rapier <laughs> scar. There's an umchug scar. <laughs> <laughs> and I said that to another fight director friend of mine. He says, you should stop parrying with your face. <laughs>
0: Hey, we all have different ways. We all have different ways. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, you got to do what you got to do. Now, were you an only kid? I was number six of seven
1: of a good Catholic family. Oh, there you go. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I grew up as the baby uh, for 14 years. Then this little punk came along that took that role away from me because it's always good to be the baby of, of the six kids. That's but right. Number, number seven came along and it was like, ah, I wanted to just smack that kid around. Only kidding. I don't smack kids.
0: <laughs> no, I have, uh, I, we, everybody assumed we were Catholic because we had, there were five kids in my family. And, uh-huh. um, you know, but we just like to go to Catholic Mass for Christmas and drink wine. So I think that's why they thought we might be Catholic. Well, well but,
1: that, that, but that makes you Catholic <laughs> exactly. in the most sense, right?
0: <laughs> but we had that same thing when number five came along. Number four was like, Hey, wait a minute. That's, I had the good spot. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, it's
1: true. It, it 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 changes everything. When I had my son, I I only have one, and I kept saying I should we should have a second. And then my wife and I split, and I was like, you know, I think it's probably good that it was only one because then
0: he gets more focus. You know, <laughs> yeah. he doesn't have to struggle with the sibling rivalries. Exactly. Well, now growing up in a big family, did your family, did your parents talk about money, or was there? My,
1: that is a great topic because my parents were were um, children of people who went through the depression. Mm. And they came out with a massive lack mentality. Yep. And so my parents had a massive lack mentality, which made us all have a massive lack mentality because that's handing that that mindset down, you know. And it wasn't until many, many years later when I was able to change my mindset about money that money started to come. Yeah. You know. Another thing is when you're not, when you 're in a lack mentality it 's not just the mentality of lack it 's mental it 's your mentality of how you value yourself as well absolutely and when you change your your perception of value about self, the value starts to come
0: absolutely and and um I want to jump into that a little bit more but i w- i 'm curious with knowing that your parents had that um Limiting belief. Um, did you um, did you get an allowance? Did you have to do chores? Did you have to pitch in? Obviously, in a bigger family, everybody's got to pull their weight. Yeah, we had we had no allowance. We all had to find
1: work early as early as possible. I had a, a paper route young. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that we had so many kids, you know, Christmases and all those things were tough for the family. My my father was a plumber. My mother was uh she actually worked for the church itself. She had her master's degree in liturgy and was head of liturgical doctrine at our church. Okay. So we had a lot of Catholic stuff going on. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, we used to call her Saint Joan because she always started her prayers as long as I'm in the neighborhood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the thing was, was was that that mentality was not only handed down in in the words that they use, but in the the actions they use, the way they raise this. So I literally was a, a paperboy at a very young age, and then I had a job as a stock clerk at a store all through high school and in, in, in the latter part of junior high. Mm-hmm. You know, and then when I finally got out of high school, I still had the, the lack mentality. I didn't actually change my mentality about money and and realize my value of what I was bringing to the market until much later when I started breaking myself free of their beliefs and started really taking control of my own beliefs, Mm -hmm. which is a huge factor in in success.
0: And did your parents put any expectations on you? Like you need to go to Notre Dame or Boston college, or you need to be um, a certain, like what, what was, what was the message as, as a kid, as expectation?
1: as a kid, I showed talent for, for art, Mm -hmm. for drawing. And my mother's big, Big thing was that you can't make money in art, mm-hmm. but because you can draw, you need to be an architect. Oh, well, okay. if you know if you know the mental <laughs> uh, um, needs of those two professions, artists aren't mathematicians, right? And <laughs> and I am not that guy, right? <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> um, the interesting thing was is that by by shifting, I went on to, to go for, to college for architecture. And I hated it. And I ended up going off off and doing Renaissance festivals and loved it. Found myself acting and doing art and doing all kinds of amazing things. And suddenly found myself surrounded by people who were making a lot of money. Most people don't realize a lot of the the vendors and things at those Renaissance festivals make a lot of money. Yeah. And many of them who who aren't the traveling artisans, they make their their year's worth of income in nine, ten weeks sometimes. Wow. And... It, I and mean, it's it's amazing to see that 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 model of business. But then those people who take that same art and travel them to six, seven, eight fairs a year, now they're making major money, major money, and then branching out and having booths and multiple fairs at once, and it <laughs> ends up becoming a huge, huge um, profitable venture.
0: No, that's awesome. I have some uh, family members that are involved in rena- Renaissance festivals. So they're big uh, big into that. So I, I, I live on the peripheral <laughs> i <I'll follow> that. <laughs> now, what was the turning point for you to say, wait, I'm having a good time. I'm having fun. I want to follow my passion instead of draw buildings.
1: Well, well what was interesting is I started doing those Renaissance festivals. My father and I had a very bad relationship. I mean, of the seven kids, I was the one that he chose not to like. <laughs> and, and and that's not even it that sounds funny, but it's it's the honest to God truth. Yeah. I yeah. was the one who was the who was, you know, beat up and, and 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 you know, drug out in the front yard and fist fights and you know, all yeah. kinds of stuff with my father. Um but uh but what was interesting was is is that when I, as I was going to those Renaissance festivals, I found a place where people were giving me positive reinforcement. Mm-hmm. And the more positive reinforcement I got at those places, the more I f- was building my own self worth. Because your self worth is, is going to show itself in your outer experience. Because if you believe you're worth nothing, you're not going to make any money. And if you w- believe you have value. So the more I started doing that work and I started giving back to my community, like when I, my hack and slash comedy show, when I did the hack and slash comedy show, I, we, it went all over the world. It did amazing things. But when we first started that show, we just were trying to follow our passion. And there's an old saying by a motorcycle builder who's now passed away named Indian Larry. He used to say, if you do what you love, the money will come. Right. And as I started doing what I loved, I started getting more and more work and I started getting more and more opportunities. And then one day the Pentagon guys showed up at where I was performing and they said, would you like to do USO tours? And I ended up going off and doing USO tours. And so that took me to 16 countries with the USO. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting known all over the world. And then that Hack and Slash show got really big. Um, but then I realized the more I was valuing myself and creating more, more money into my experience – I discovered that I could help p- other people do that. Yeah. And so after the show, I would get off the stage and I'd sit in the audience for hours helping people get through their stuff. And next thing you know, I decided I need to take this to a broader audience. So I started doing corporate speeches and working with companies to bring their interaction hero out of their
0: their teams. That's so awesome. And I, I what I, I want to ask you specifically for the listeners to remind them is – it sounds like it doesn't just happen overnight, right? You uh, you don't go from oh, I have a bad mindset. Let me change it. Boom! Oh, now everything happens, right? There still might be some doubt. There still might. Be, I know I should move towards what I love, and it might bring more money. But can tell me a little bit about that process for you? Okay, so my, that process
1: actually one of the the most pivotal moment in all of my my uh, my whole life. I will say that. As I said, early on, I was, wanted to be a stuntman. I wanted to be a fight director. I wanted to do those fights at the, going to the Renaissance Festivals. At 22 years old, I was helping someone unload a, a box of clay from his, his van, one of those artisans who was a potter. Yeah. And when I twisted and turned, my upper body separated from my lower body, and I was collapsed and was paralyzed. Wow. And ended up in the hospital. And in the hospital, a doctor told me that, you're done. Your career's over. You'll never have a physical career. Um. You know, you have sp- spina bifida occulta, and you know, basically that means three of my vertebrae never formed properly at birth, and you don't have the physical back that can do the job that you want to do. And I ended up, start- uh, read a book called The Dao of Kundo by Bruce Lee, and there was a thing in there about mental flexibility. And as I started dealing with the mental flexibility of w- my s- scenario, of what I was going through, I found something really interesting that, that really helps break that mindset. And what it is is that you only have one present moment that you're experiencing and only one present moment that you're living. That giant goal that you've set for that financial wellness and that, that, that wealth that you're looking for is, is a giant goal. But that goal is not going to magically appear in your present moment. That goal is only going to happen when you take small, successful present moments. The tough part that people have is that their past is nothing but a stack of memories of present moments and in your present moment if you're if you're thinking about lack and poor and all those things you're just creating this subconscious belief behind you mm-hmm. that is telling you that you're poor and that's what my parents were handing down to all of us as kids but the interesting thing was you can change that subconscious belief by staying firmly present and just doing successful things and if you can do that then you start stacking those present moments behind you and What's really interesting about changing the subconscious belief is once you've changed that belief, you know, or even when you haven't changed that belief, when you, whatever you have in your subconscious belief is something that you're believing in the present moment. And that present moment is the subconscious belief is going to help you achieve it. So say, for instance, if you decided you wanted to buy a car and suddenly you chose the kind of car you wanted and suddenly you started seeing that car everywhere because you chose that car, right? right. Well, that's your subconscious mind kicking in to help. So if you're if you're consciously thinking about being poor or lacking money, then your subconscious belief is going to show you reasons to believe that. So by staying here in the present moment and stacking present moments that are successful, small little moments, by stacking them up, they build and they build up behind you as a new subconscious belief. And then this thing that we're all trying to get to that, that final wealth, that big monetary goal, I think we don't have to get to it. It's coming to us. Right. Determinative upon what we do right here now, and so that's what I learned by having my back get go out like
0: that. Well, that so and that is so awesome. And what I, I what I want to bring in, and I I, I think it's there. Um, you didn't emphatically state it, but it's consciously being aware of the present moment, right? That you've got to consciously be aware. You've got to be consciously aware. And one of the things when I work with people about. Trying to shift a mindset is getting them conscious and then trying to get a, a hiccup, what I like to call a hiccup, to break the pattern <laughs> so that it's like, oh, I'm be- – oh, wait, wait. No, I'm choosing or I – in yeah. the past and, and reframing so that we can start to shift that. And I'm just curious for you um, – about that. I, I'm so glad
1: you went there because, because words to me are, are the key factor to changing your subconscious mind. Um, I took certain words out of my vocabulary. I took wanting, needing, hoping and trying out of my vocabulary. Um, I only say things that are, that are present moment creative, mm-hmm. not cre- present moment, um, destructive. So yeah. if I'm asking for wanting in my present moment, then I'm just going to see more reasons to want. Right. So as I changed those moments and said, I am receiving, you know, I am, I am creating new wealth. I am creating new avenues of revenue. I am creative, creating passive income. That word I am creating is huge, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a student of all, all spirituality. I study Buddhism and Hinduism, Christianity, all that. And what I find really interesting was when you look in the Bible specifically, um, Jesus says, whatever you ask in God's name is granted. But Moses, when he talked, climbed the mountain said that God's name was I am. Mm. So if you're saying, I am blank, you're asking. Yeah. And you're, and that you're going to get it. Right. So I am wanting gives you more wanting. It's natural. So stay in the present moment and stay really clear about what you're creating in your present moment.
0: Absolutely. I so believe in the power of words. Um, you know, and I really try to emphasize to people the power of even small words, you know, the, the biggest small word is no. And, um, and it's either us. Taking in a no and then not moving forward, or it's us saying no to things we don't want and setting healthy boundaries. Um, And my other word that I really push to remove from people's vocabulary or use it sparingly is the word but. Um, Mm -hmm. Because to me, that's such a negation. You know, I want to be rich, but I'm Mm -hmm. really scared. So I try to hold both as true I'm really scared and I want to have success. And I'm learning to do it differently versus, but I'm not capable, but, because it just feels like such a negation.
1: Can I, can I throw something in here? Absolutely. Um, so, so you what you said is, was absolutely perfect because every, if you're, if you're not being creative in your present moment, it's because you're afraid of something. Yeah. There's a fear that's stopping you from doing it. Right. And the interesting thing is people get in fear and they shut down. Right? And when they shut down what what they're actually doing is turning off their brain. Yeah. Because the the body has a natural physical reaction known as the fight or flight response. When we have a fear response, the first thing we do is we gasp for air and we we, we fill our lungs up. Most people when they're afraid, they say oh, my my chest is tight, I can't breathe. Well, it's not that they can't breathe, it's that their body is conserving air so they can run further and faster. Yeah. Because it's a natural physical primal response. Actors in Hollywood, actors on stage are trained that if they forget their lines, they're supposed to exhale and relax all their muscles. And it shuts off the primal flight or flight response and all the words come rushing back into their head, all the lines. It's the same thing when you're in a moment of stress and you're not taking an action in your present moment or creating something in your present moment. Exhale. Because no successful outcome has ever been achieved without change and without action. And if you're not willing to take an action, there will be no change. And so you have to make sure you're setting your fears aside just by exhaling. You know, you just let it go.
0: Absolutely. And I think it's so important. You know, people talk about fight or flight. And I think, like, for my own personal self, I was right in the middle, I was frozen. And so Mm. I kept going, well, wait, I'm not fleeing. And I'm not fighting. Um, and I didn't, you know, I didn't realize that. Oh, wait, there's this other piece for me. There was this other piece of learning to become unfrozen, so that I could then say, "Oh, I better run, or I better move forward." Well. Um, yeah. Well, fro- frozen stagnation is also a fear.
1: Yeah. It's a fear of not moving forward and not going going ahead. The interesting thing about the, the whole stagnation thing is that if you think about nature in general, if if a stream is running wild down a hillside, it's full of oxygen, it's full of life, it's wonderful. Take that same water and you put it in the puddle and it becomes stagnant and the bugs start to lay its, their eggs in it. Yeah. It becomes poisonous. Right. So you have to remember that your, your life to be successful has to be a constant motion. You have to constantly be setting new goals, striving for new things. I've known a lot of people who have, quote-unquote, become successful because they set a monetary figure. Right. And then they got there and they lost it all because they didn't set a new goal. They right. didn't set a new direction because that that momentum, that, that goal setting, and that action towards a goal is what keeps you moving and it keeps you more successful.
0: Yeah, and I'm wondering um, – in terms of success, and, and I don't know if it's just the U.S., um, I know that I was socialized to be my accomplishments, that I, my value is based on how much is in my bank account. So if I don't meet that minimum balance, um, then I have no worth. And I don't mm. know that that's culturally true in other countries. You've been around the world a bit. And, you know, I don't know that the goal should be, at least for me, to be really, really rich. Um, and for a lot of people, it's like, I need to get $2 million without understanding the why.
1: I think setting a monetary goal is the biggest mistake you can make in your life because the reality of it is, is that when you look at what you want from success, it's really freedom. You want to be free to live where you want to live, free to have the car you want to have, you want to, you know, free to, to not have debt, free from debt, right? So you're really looking for a, a, a life where you don't have to worry about anything. That's really all success is. Yeah. So I know some people who are the happiest, most lovely, wonderful people in their life who feel completely successful, but they they have nothing. Yeah, you know, and it's not about it's not about their money. It's about their mindset. But the interesting thing is, you can have both. You know, as long as you're staying in that space of, I am free and I am going to achieve. You know, I'm okay. I'm going to go for that. You know, you can set a monetary figure, but I, I say, let why don't you just aim for more, aim for abundance, you know, yeah. aim for you know, whatever that is. Because setting the monetary figure creates a deadline. It doesn't create a thing to keep striving towards. You know? Abs- you're going absolutely. Along, you're going along, you get to
0: that, that goal, and you and now you have to go, okay, I have to rethink everything, because I got there. You know? <laughs> Just keep moving. Keep moving, and when you talk about freedom, I, I, for me this feels important. Um, we want freedom, we want to be able to live where we want and all those things. Uh, But you also earlier talked about how you were in community in the Renaissance Festivals and you were getting reinforcement. And so having freedom, but what's the importance? How important is community?
1: Oh, community is everything. It's it's the one thing that that when I was lying in that hospital bed, it was the one winning thing thing, thing that really got became very clear is the fact that we're not in this alone. You know? A lot of times when I'm on stage and I'm talking to my audiences, I say, guess what? I got a big secret for you. Somebody in this room is smarter than you. <laughs> and they go, and I go, and guess what else? When I just said that, somebody just thought of you. And the reason is, is because not all of us, not, not one of us in this room has all the answers. Right. We all have our bits and pieces and parts, and it's us working together dynamically that comes together to get it. You know, Like I said earlier, I'm not a, I'm not a mathematician, but I know some great accountants. You know, you know, and I, I work with my teams, right? right? I work with what I have to work with. And so uh, I surround myself with people who are amazing. I, I got off the phone this morning with my good friend Dan Thurman. Dan uh, was the president of the National Speakers Association last year. And I mean, he is a world class motivational speaker. And I lean into Dan for advice and, and about my speaking career all the time. Yeah. Because I know he's part of my team, you know, and my son, he's 17 years old. That boy has taught me more about life lessons than anything else. You know, your community is your power. Lean into it and
0: realize that we're all in it together. Absolutely. I i, I think one of the things, my experience of having traveled around the world is that in the U.S., I don't think we value community enough. Um. I, I feel like we have enough wealth to isolate from the people that are undesirable or less than, and that we don't see that we're all actually connected, hence potentially the homeless problem in this country and other things like that. Um, and so I just, yeah, to me, it's so important that we understand that we don't have to do it alone. We can't do it alone. And we have an arm on each side to reach out. <laughs>
1: To the, t- the tough part about the United States is that we're we're a consumer driven society. Yeah. Um, when I was when I was in um, Egypt, I was traveling from um, Mount Sinai back to Sharm El Sheikh, and I had these two uh, Egyptian drivers, and they were really curious about Americans. One of the questions they asked me was, "Why does America support Israel?" And I stopped and I thought about it for a second. I said, "I said you have to understand America. America." Ninety-nine percent of Americans are only worried about what movie is coming out this weekend and what's the next great thing they can go buy. Yeah, they're not thinking about the broader global global picture. That's the way we are. In those smaller countries, where where big things like that are very in the air, open like you know in that area, bombs are flying around. Right. Yeah, so, absolutely. So it's very f- front of the mind. Here in the United States, we're we're gifted in the fact that we are a consumer society. We're out buying things and doing things and and doing all things and not even thinking about anything broader. And I think in the process of that, and now in with COVID and the Amazon and Amazon's truck pulling into your driveway every day, you know, I think it's 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 separated us even more. Um, in some cases, it's made my made my family closer, yeah, because we're all together. But it it it's broadened our society and. My speaking, the speaking industry itself, I I don't think it'll ever go back to where it was before. I think I'll do, be doing live events again, but I bet you a big part of my business will now be virtual because of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and um, yeah, it's yeah, I think it's going to take a long time for us to feel comfortable being in large groups of people and uh, wait, did, should I be worried about that person and stuff like that? I do think this this is going to have long uh, term impact in many ways. Um, why is it important to you to what i want to I, I guess i'll call pay forward why is it important for you to want to help those troops that uh came to you after the show um because that's where the work is actually happening right the show brings them in but the work happens after why is that in, in, why is that important and what do you want your legacy to be
1: well, my, my legacy is, is that I, I want people to remember me as someone who empowered them mm-hmm. and helped them get forward. You know, when I was in, when I was in, um, Iraq, I was in Ramadi, Iraq and I had just finished the show and a Marine walked up to me and he said, Mr. Davis, he says, this morning I was in a firefight and this afternoon for two hours, I was able to forget all about that. Thank you for coming. Now, for the soldiers, to me, being able to go there and being a, a pressure release valve, um, they, they described Iraq as like the movie Groundhog Day, only imagine being in Groundhog Day, but every way, every day someone's trying to kill you. Yeah. You know, so by being able to go there and making them smile and laugh, I look at those guys from the perspective of they have volunteered to go anywhere in the world to defend me. It's the least I can do. Right. Yeah. As far as what I said earlier about the community is your team, your dynamic, you know, what you give back, you will get. Yeah. And so, you know, I have, I have created, I created the, the largest, um, charity holiday event in Baltimore uh, it was the hack and slash Christmas special. We did uh, uh, 16 global clean water projects, sent two kids to uh, Walt Disney world. We um, built a habitat for humanity home. We, I mean, it, it, it just, um, we just, we ra- collected over 20 tons of food and clothing for homeless shelters. It was, it wasn't looking for any glory or any, any, Fame from that. It was about literally trying to give back to our, our community because we have gotten so much from it. You know, yeah. your success d- is determinative upon all the people around you. Yeah, and the more you can give back, the more <laughs> the more they're willing to help you as well. You know, it's really important that you give back to your community and to create a better environment for all of us.
0: Yeah, that's. I, I can't disagree I I, I I totally believe the importance of paying it forward and the importance of community um, and and doing it for the act itself not for uh recognition um it, it's you know the, the old expression you, you
1: you get what you give yeah when I was on that egypt trip. I, I was treated like a prince everywhere I went. because I was really excited to meet everybody and talk to everybody. And I treated everyone with great respect. While I was there, I ran into another American. And he comes up to me and he says, hey, are you American? I said, yeah, yeah, sure am. He says, have you been having problems since you've been here? I said, no, everybody's been treating me like a prince. He says, everywhere I go, people want to fight me. Five <laughs> minutes later, I wanted to kick that guy's butt. <laughs> I mean, he was a jerk, right? He was putting out that he was just a jerk. Yeah. And so he was getting that back. So if you're putting out giving good to your community, what happens is you, it, the community gives back. They remember you for that. But if you're looking for the
0: praise for it, they'll remember that too. Absolutely. It's pretty obvious even if it's not spoken. <laughs> right right people feel it people feel it well john we are at the fast five moment of the show um i'm gonna ask you these five questions and just uh whatever comes um what does your inner child want to be when he grows up uh less heavy than he is right now (laughs) thin Thin. (laughs) how would your friends describe you jovial and goofy as hell and what's the most <laughs> unusual thing you've ever eaten uh most unusual
1: thing i've ever eaten chocolate covered ants
0: okay sweet
1: yeah. and sa-
0: sweet and savory <laughs> yeah and crunchy
1: yeah, they're crunchy. Very, very nice. yeah.
0: <laughs> what, what's one thing you'll never do again
1: one thing i'll never do again that was a that was that's a tough one um there's very few things that I would never do again because I, I, I find that those experiences are maybe who I am. But if, I was gonna, if there's one thing I would never do again, uh, it would be never marry my first three wives. <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, they call me triple X because I've got three. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> if you had to describe yourself as an animal, which one would it be? The sloth. The sloth.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nice and slow
0: and easy and taking things as they come. (laughs) That's it. And they get to sleep about 20 hours a day, I think. It's something like that. I love it. Not a bad life. (laughs) Oh, yeah, man. Not bad. (laughs) So we're at our sweet spot, our m m moment, money and motivation. And I'm wondering if you have a practical financial tip or a piece of wealth wisdom that you can share with people that they can actually take away with them and Activate when you
1: when you think about your future and you think about your future success. Think about creating a solid foundation that is secure before you go into a larger financial risk. For me, I'm I'm leveraged in AAA stocks. I'm le- I'm leveraged in uh, treasury bonds, and I'm leveraged in beach rental properties because those are very secure and they're yielding me a really good return. But when I also go out into those riskier investments, I'm,
0: I have a solid foundation to always fall back on. yeah, that's awesome, and I, I think for people out there investing, always remember don't invest money, you're not willing to lose um, because it is a risk it's an investment and uh, if you that's just something that my brother-in-law taught me early, early, early on, and I've always remembered if I'm in a, if I'm going to risk it, um, no, I'm willing to lose it, but um, normally it's worked out really, really well. <laughs> So, but, you know. Yeah, if you're not willing to lose it, then don't get in the game. Exactly. Damn. Well, John, this has been so awesome. And I, you know, one of the things that um, I'm really excited about is the fact that you talk about mindset, that you talk about community, you talk about intentionality. and whether it's getting a new house whether it's having a million dollars in your bank account it's not about setting that monetary goal uh but more about the the what's beneath that and um and just really facing fears. I, I think for me, that was a big thing in my life was moving towards things that scared me, um, to find out if it would kill me. And then I'd like, Oh, I didn't die. Let me go to the next thing. And, um, right. right. That and I think for a lot kill you, of people, makes you stronger. I think that's, I mean, for a lot of people, I think there's that it's a life or death situation, even though somebody else might look at that and go, you're buying a car. It's not life or death or you're right. But in that moment, when you're in that present moment, if you've lived with fear, um, or had experiences that reinforced fear, it's hard to get out of that mindset. But that it's possible to get out of that mindset even though it may not happen overnight.
1: Right, right, exactly. And that mindset you're talking about is, I do the five Fs, which is hacking your mindset for, for achievement for success and um that that to me is is the process that i came up with through through my work as well and i want to make sure i give your audience that today if i can absolutely um,
0: you've so, got a five the f5 system that they can download absolutely and it's
1: a free download the link that, that bob is going to share with you guys is a free gift now i say free it doesn't even ask for your email address you go there and you get it the only thing I'll ask is that if you're there, and I might say it anyway, look around. You're going to see daily videos that are going up, daily motivational videos. You're going to see my podcast is on there. You're going to see all kinds of other things. But get the gift because the 5F workbook will take you through the process of hacking your mindset to get past your fears and onto success and onto the, the goals you're looking for.
0: That's awesome. And I just want to tell the listeners out there that this is not available to everybody. Um, you can't just go and find this, you actually have to have seen this podcast um, or one of your podcasts to be able to get this download. So I really encourage people- no, oh, may- oh, Only the ones I guessed on, not even oh, my own. Oh, not even on your own. See? Not even Folks, on my own. go get this information. Where else can people find you on social media and online?
1: Well, if you if the easiest way to find me is, of course, corporateactionhero.com. And as you search me on on LinkedIn and, and all those others, Corporate Action Hero, you will find me. I am there. You search Co- Corporate Action Hero in Google. I have multiple pages. Thank you very much.
0: Awesome. <laughs> well, we will put all that up. Um, and I want to say to our listeners, please don't forget to share the love. Like, follow, and share our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search for Money You Should Ask, all one word. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast player or visit Apple Podcasts and search for Money You Should Ask or click on the link in the description. If you're watching this episode on YouTube, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. For more tips, tools, or how to learn how to have a healthier relationship with money, visit themoneynerve.com. That's nerve, not nerd. Um, John, thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure. I really think you brought a lot of value to our audience. Thank you.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And let's all go out there and make successes and get more free. Absolutely.